You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venezia, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. God then killed those animals in chapter 3 and verse 21. Take a look at that. To cover Adam and Eve with their skins. And thus, in that occupation, he was showing them that because sin means death, the soul that sinned shall surely die. The day they eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall surely die. Innocent victims must die in order that sinners may be pardoned from their sin. The story of Cain and Abel can be somewhat confusing. Why was God pleased with Abel's offering, but not Cain's? Today, Pastor Mike breaks down some suggestions for why this was the case. He reminds us that sin can only be covered through blood sacrifice. When Adam and Eve first sinned, their punishment was death. But in his mercy, God killed an animal in their place. So, Pastor Mike insists that when Abel sacrificed an animal, he was following God's prescribed model. But Cain attempted to make his own way. Now, here's Pastor Mike in the book of Genesis chapter 4 as he begins his message, Beauty and Blood. Genesis chapter 4, and the text that we're going to be treating is found in verses 1 through 10. And this message, the title is Beauty and Blood. And you might be thinking, that's kind of an odd title to give a message to, but you'll understand where I'm going using this title here in this study. You know, I could have actually given this message a bunch of different titles. Like, for example, A Tale of Two Brothers would have been just as appropriate. But uh, I thought it best that we refer to it as beauty and blood. And it's all about the way that we are accepted by God, the way that we approach God more than anything else. But we're going to be dealing with some other subjects as well. So anyway, with that said, let's go ahead and read that text. Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. Now, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry. And his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? 
And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now let me begin by saying, there's great hope, think about this, wonder and expectation in the announcement that a child is to be born into a family. Think about it as it relates to the parents. They're thinking about accomplishment. They're thinking about success. They're thinking about great achievement as it relates to this new child that's going to be born into the world, the result of that new life. And this was never so true as it was with the first parents, Adam and Eve. Now, you might be thinking, well, why is that? Well, consider this event, the birth of this first child, Cain. Think of this event in relationship to what these first parents thought and experienced. So that sort of sets the tone for this message, and it also brings us to our first point. And if you're taking notes, write this down. Savior or killer? Savior or killer? So a huge part of this expectation on the part of Adam and Eve was the promise. you got to go back to our study last time together. A huge part of this expectation was the promise of God of a deliverer to be born of the woman instead of experiencing death. Remember, God had already charged them and warned them, if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall surely die. They unfortunately ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, so they were expecting death. Obviously, God wasn't referring to a physical death, but rather a spiritual death, being alienated from him through sin. But you know what? What we have in chapter 3 in verse 15, I was very careful to draw this to your attention in one of our previous studies. We have the first prophetical messianic announcement concerning Christ, the Savior, in the Bible. And it's recorded for us in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 when God pronounced a curse upon the serpent who was the devil. Let's go ahead and read that, chapter 3 and verse 15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. So this is in reference to Christ, who would bruise the head of the devil, the serpent, and ultimately destroy and obliterate his kingdom there upon the cross. You know, I think of Jesus in the last few moments of his life when he hung on that cross, and he cried out in a loud voice, it is finished. And at least in part, not only was he reconciling the world to God the Father by his death upon the cross, but it was also a triumphant cry of victory over Satan and his kingdom as well. And so basically that's what Genesis chapter 3 there in verse 15 is referring to. So let's go back again. Now think about this as it relates to Adam and Eve who were just expecting death. That had been pronounced upon them because of their disobedience. So a huge part of this expectation of this child that was to be born was the promise of God of a deliverer to be born of the woman instead of experiencing death. So at least 
part in their mind, this is plausible, this is a plausible explanation, they were thinking maybe this child is the savior. Maybe this is the one who will deliver us from death. And so Adam demonstrates his faith in God. Now think about this, by naming his wife Eve, which literally means life giver, life giver, because she was the one through whom the promised salvation would come, or at least that's what Adam thought. The seed of the woman, referring to the firstborn, Cain. But then also, and this also contributed to their wonder and expectation of this child being born. Think about this. Neither, up until that point, had either of them seen a pregnancy or a birth before. Now think about it. This was the first woman right? And could you imagine the child now in her womb and, you know, just going through the process over that period of time and all of a sudden she feels the baby moving around? And could you imagine, you know, without having anything, the capacity to be able to relate to this before? You're the first. What's going on here? I feel someone moving around inside of my, my stomach. And so, I mean, it just added to the wonder and the anticipation of what was about to take place. Neither had they seen a pregnancy or a birth before. So its wonder was increased many times in that experience. So that child in her not only represented new life, but the promised life, the one who would destroy the work of the devil, according to chapter 3 and verse 15, and restore paradise once more, or so they thought. And they must have counted the dates until at last Cain was born. And how delighted they must have been. But here's the problem. They didn't know. They held in their arms a little murderer and that the tragic history of the human race written in blood was about to begin. But they named that child Cain. Go back to verse 1. And they understood that that child had come from God himself. Because notice the announcement there. He says, I have acquired a man from the Lord. But isn't that so true? You know, the blessing that God brings to a family when a child is born, that child is an actual gift that comes from God. And we only have them for a short period of time in relationship to eternity, at least. So we're called to be good stewards because we know that one day we're going to have to offer that child back up to the Lord, right? So while we have the child, we are to instill a godly heritage within that child and feed him the word and and instill that godly heritage within his life. But the truth of the matter is they all come from God, and one day they're all going to go back to him. And so notice the announcement once again there in verse 1. I have acquired a man from the Lord. But I don't know if you knew this. The name Cain literally means Here he is, or I've gotten him. So again, in their mind, they were thinking, is this the promised Savior? Is this the one who's going to enable us to escape the condemnation of death? So here he is, or I've gotten him. And that's literally what the name Cain means. You see, she thought the deliverer had ultimately been sent from God. And of course, in time... The truth was made known, unfortunately. Now, with that said, that brings us to our second point. If you're taking notes, write this one down. The way of sacrifice. 
And this particularly relates to our title that is Beauty and Blood. So our second point is the way of sacrifice. Now let's go back to our text. Notice the Bible goes on to tell us in verses 3 and 4 that one day Cain and Abel, his brother, they're fully grown by this time, so years have already passed between verses 1 and 4. And so one day Cain and Abel, his brother, fully grown now, came to present their offerings to the Lord. Now, first of all, even before we go on and take a look at the narrative, there's a certain implication in all of this, in this announcement. I think that it implies that God had already previously instructed the first inhabitants of the earth in a very exact way on how they were to offer up their sacrifices unto him. Because also another clue here is notice in verse 3, go back to our text, we see that phrase, in the process of time. Now, it's all according to what translation you're reading out of. Some of your translations would say in the process of time. In others, it would say at the end of days. But in both, the idea here is there was a particular time in which the sacrifices were to be offered unto God. Well, and in any case, they possessed this knowledge. Both Cain as well as Abel possessed this knowledge. So, Cain on this particular occasion came forth. He brought the fruits of the soil as his offering. He was a farmer. That was his profession. And then Abel, his brother, came before God, and he offered from the firstborn of the flock. So what would that make him? A herdsman, I guess? A shepherd? Yeah tender a sheep or whatever. So Abel came, and then he offered from the firstborn of the flock. Now what's interesting here is that God then received Abel's offering and then in turn rejected Cain's. And we're going to talk about that because this is significant. Why did he accept one and reject the other? Well, after they offered their offerings unto the Lord and brought their sacrifices, probably God sent down fire from heaven, even as he did during that contest that had taken place between Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Remember that the particular text of scripture? It's in 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 38. Remember they were to both in that contest build altars and they were to place the sacrifices upon them. And then they were to call out to their gods and see you know, who responded, and the one that responded was to be the true and the living God and acknowledge as such. And remember the prophets of Baal, they, they cried out and they began to cut themselves and there was no response. And then, you know, Elijah's giving them a bad time, suggesting that their God went, you know, had gone fishing or something. And then he cried out to his God and then God sent down this fire from heaven, consumed the offering that had been placed upon the altar, looked up all the water that surrounded it, and, and then they were instructed by Elijah, all of those who were standing by, to go and slay all of the prophets of Baal. But anyway, so probably a similar kind of a thing had taken place. That is, as it relates to God causing fire to come down from heaven and to receive the sacrifice that had been placed there upon the altar, totally consuming it, that which had been placed upon the altar. Okay, now with that said, that's the picture. Why was Cain's offering rejected? 
And let me tell you something. This has been the subject of much debate. There's a lot of confusion as it relates to this particular question. I mean, after all, didn't Cain do the best that he could possibly do? I mean, he was a farmer, and that's basically all he had to offer. So someone would you know, raise that kind of a question. But here's the real question, fruit versus bloody sacrifice. Let me say that again. Fruit versus bloody sacrifice. You see, Abel's sacrifice, in contrast to Cain's, involved blood and therefore testified to the death of a substitute. Simply, he was coming to God in God's prescribed way, as I've already suggested. You know, this whole thing was already laid out. They had this knowledge. They understood how that they were to come before God to offer their sacrifices and how those sacrifices would be accepted by God, would be pleasing unto God. You see, Abel was coming to God in God's prescribed way. You know, think about this. And here's another answer to this question. When God killed those animals in chapter 3, in verse 21, let's go back there for a moment, chapter 3 and verse 21. Remember, up until that time, the Bible tells us that Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed there in the garden. That must have been some scene, right? Can you imagine that? And it wasn't until after they had disobeyed the Lord that guilt came upon them and they felt ashamed. And so they sought to cover themselves. Remember with the, the leaves there within the garden. And I guess that didn't work out all that well for them. But nevertheless, God then killed those animals in chapter 3 and verse 21. Take a look at that. To cover Adam and Eve with their skins. And thus, in that occupation, he was showing them that because sin means death, the soul that sinned shall surely die. The day they eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall surely die. Innocent victims must die in order that sinners may be pardoned from their sin, which, of course, all points forward to Jesus. It's a foreshadow of Jesus in the Old Testament. So when Abel came with the offering of blood, he was obeying God. In a sense, he was believing God. He was looking forward to the provision of the deliverer. But when Cain brought his fruit, he was rejecting that provision. And so that's sort of a clue to why one brother's sacrifice was accepted and the other was rejected. Now, it's at this point that someone might also ask the question, well, listen, isn't Cain's fruit more beautiful than some kind of a dead animal with blood all over it? Isn't it more attractive? And the truth of the matter is yes. And for me, I would have rather had the fruit. During the week, often I'll go to a shopping with my wife and we'll go into like Whole Foods over in New Jersey where we live. And, and I, I just really love Whole Foods. And the entrance is right where all of the fruit is. And their fruit is like amazing. They have all these organic fruits and all, you know, all different types and varieties of fruits. And I really love fruit. And they just display them so wonderfully, you know. They just, they're, they're on top of each other and nicety-nice and they just look good. And, you know, they know how to, it's the hook that gets you drawn in, you know. The next thing I know, I'm like, I'm looking around to see if anybody's looking. And I'm like, you know, picking into the bags. And my wife is like slapping my hand all the time. But I, I can't help myself. 
I'm kind of a fruit nut. So is fruit beautiful? You bet it's beautiful. So again, someone may be thinking, well, isn't Cain's fruit more beautiful, more attractive? The answer to that question, absolutely yes. And isn't God the author of all beauty? You know, this is their rhetoric. This is the way that they would approach this. And the truth of the matter is, yes, he is the author of all beauty. And didn't God make the fruit? Yes, he did make the fruit. But you see, Cain left out the blood. You see, the offering of Cain represents all the beautiful things of this world. And someone would say in response to that, well, can't we offer all of the beautiful things of this world? And the answer to that question is, yes, you can. But only if we have first come to him on the basis of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You know? And then everything else would fall. Yeah, God is happy to have you fruit. But you got to first come through the blood. You have to first come through Jesus Christ. If Cain would have first presented an animal sacrifice... Therefore, confessing he is a sinner, that sin requires death, that he was thankful to God for having shown him a substitute could die in his place, and that he was coming on that basis and that basis alone, then offer his fruit as an extra offering, it would have been wonderfully accepted and received of the Lord. And God would have been well pleased. But when he refused to come with the blood offering, God was obligated to reject both Cain and anything that Cain might offer. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. This is exactly the problem with so many good religious people today. They come and they want to be received and accepted by God because of their beautiful offerings. Basically, they want to come on their own terms, you see. They don't want to come through Christ. For them, that's too costly. They would rather go another route. So they attempt to approach God, to be received of God, to be accepted by God by their works. And listen, I'm not putting down works, but that's not going to get the job done. Or they seek to approach God through their giving of their finances and their money. And believe me, I'm not putting down the works and the money. We need the money. We need your money, by the way, just to pay our bills. Or great talking that is making promises. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And and because I've made these promises, I've sworn a vow, you know, these are the things that lend itself to me being accepted of God. Or some kind of social contribution, some pomp and circumstance, whatever. But there's no blood. And folks, if there's no blood, there's no Christ. There's no Christianity. And your sacrifices, your offerings are going to be rejected. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long. You've been listening to Pastor Mike Finizio here on In My Father's House. He is working his way through the book of Genesis. If you were blessed by today's message and want to pass along the blessing, you can find a link to give to the ministry on our website, harvestnyc.org. We have so much available to you there, 
including many audio messages and links to streamed messages. We stream every Sunday and Thursday service. Once again, that's harvestnyc.org. Another way to pass along the blessing is to share the messages with someone else. Maybe God put someone on your heart today as you listened. You can send them the links as well. In My Father's House is a ministry out of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Midtown Manhattan, New York City. We're easy to find, with access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. Come by and see us. But if you're from another part of the country or world, we'd love to know. Please send us a quick note at harvestnyc at verizon.net. That's harvestnyc at verizon.net. It's a great encouragement to Pastor Mike and the team at In My Father's House to hear where these messages are being listened to. There is nothing more beautiful than the global body of Christ. If you'd like to hear more, subscribe to our podcast for Daily Doses of the Word. Just go to Spotify and search for In My Father's House with Mike Venizio. And then just click follow. Well, we have filled our time for today. Come back and see us again, because there's no better place to be than in my father's house with you.